I'm Joanne Wilson, and this is Positively Gotham Gal. Small, meaningful conversations with women entrepreneurs about their approach to life, business, and everything in between. Vicki Freeman is a born and bred New Yorker whose vegetarian parents exposed her to all that New York City has to offer. In 1993, Freeman opened her first restaurant, Nine Cafe in Soho, with partner Paul Stallings. She hired Mark Meyer as her head chef, and he created the fresh Mediterranean American menu. And then she went on to marry him. <laughs> After the restaurant shut in 1994, Freeman moved to ARK Restaurants, working with chefs Jonathan Waxman and Meyer on projects including the Columbus Bakery Cafe. After marrying Meyer in 97 and armed with consulting, catering, and ownership experience, the couple opened Five Points in 1999 to much acclaim. Following the success of their first venture, Freeman and Meyer opened Cook Shop in 2005, 100 Acres in 2008, Vix in 2014, Rosie's in 2015, and Shuka in 2017. So you're a New Yorker. Yes. I lived for two years in L.A. and two years in San Francisco. Other than that, New York City, all of it below 23rd Street. <laughs> Funny. So you moved to L.A., and then you made your way back to New York. Yes. My stepfather who raised me was a screenwriter, and it's a crazy story because we we left the city because we lived all my childhood in a fantastic brownstone on 13th Street, on West 13th Street. The people that owned the brownstone got divorced, and she moved into our apartment, and we had to move. And we realized there was four kids. We couldn't move. into. There was not another situation. We had backyard and the whole you know, spiel, fireplaces. Right. There was no other. We just couldn't afford that. So we moved to Connecticut, and then it was ridiculous because he was always in L.A. So we moved to L.A. because he was a screenwriter, and the year we moved to L.A., he passed away. So we were all in California going, uh, what are we all doing here? And... Because of circumstances, I stayed for a couple of years, and then as soon as I could, you I came moved back. back. And all your siblings? All my siblings came back. Everybody came back. <laughs> Everyone's back to New York. That's great. So talk about what you started doing, you know, in terms of your the dots that have connected to where you are now. So when you came back. Right. Well, it started actually earlier than that. Okay. That's, I'll start with there. Go for it. So my very first restaurant job was in L.A. at Bob's Big Boy. And oh, my God. Love Right. and I, I mean, yeah, I went to Bob's Big Boy, for sure. I, I wore this hideous plastic <laughs> nurse's dress, stripe uniform thing with white nurse's shoes, and they made us wear a hairpiece. So uh, my hairpiece, which I would throw in the machine, got green. So I had this curly green hairpiece. But something about even Bob's Big Boy clicked in me. You and love, I think You loved the environment. I loved it. I loved the waitresses were all older than me filthy as the day I mean filth like the things they said to this day I couldn't even begin to repeat on this but like just horrible hideous things and something about the entrepreneurialness of being a server at 15 I was like I thought wow like I wanted to go skiing I wanted to go on, and I wanted to go skiing and I thought you know what, I'll work an extra shift once a week for like however, and go skiing. Like something about being able to make what I wanted happen, happen. I, it was like a, like a fever I had well, it's for like it. was like you owned it. I owned it and it really stuck. You, and know you I mean? enjoyed it. I did. I actually have always loved waiting on tables. 
I hope I never have to do it again. But I certainly if you did. You have to pitch in. You'll pitch in. Right. No, I mean I do it. Obviously. I do it now, but I mean full time. But yes, I actually was one of the rare people that loved it. So anyway, that was sort of the start of a little bit of that. Then my mother owned a small restaurant in Beverly Hills, and she owned. It was called the Streetcar, and it was a. Um, an old diner streetcar that they drove to this parking lot in Beverly Hills. And I ran that at 17. And that was another sort of part of it. But even as a childhood, we went out to eat five times a week. So it just, it just was always there. That's amazing. So you were in the, you essentially, you started early in the restaurant business and something that resonated with you and you stuck with it. And my first real, my own sort of job to own something was I had a catering company when I I started when I was 20 and I worked for Ralph Lauren doing all their buying seasons as someone called me, a friend of mine sort of did this thing with them and you'd go in and you would take orders in the offices because they didn't want the buyers leaving because they wanted them to stay and buying and you would take orders for sandwiches and stuff. And after about two weeks of doing this, uh, to this day, I'll never know whatever got me to do this, but I went to Ralph and this guy, Peter Strom at the time, who was the, he was Ralph's partner. And I said, I can do this so much better. I said, I don't know. You know, I said, this is crazy. You're spending all this money. We're calling the sandwich would come wrong. The, you know, I mean, like it was just a, it just seemed like That's a, a very inefficient way of doing it. And I said, I will save you money and I will do it much better. And so you started your own company. Yeah. They said, we'll give you a week or I don't know what they gave me. And I, I don't know really to this day, I couldn't even, didn't even really know how to cook, but I was you, like, I, what, where were you making these sandwiches that when you started? They had cooking? a little kitchen at the time they were on 55th street. Um, they had a little kitchen. And I would make them in the kitchen and with my partner and we would, you know, but it was what lunch was for today. Right. But it was much better. We knew that like, I was like, we need to have an entree salad because a lot of people even then wanted salads. You know what I mean? So I was like, we have to, you know, and then it really grew. The whole company grew, but even our participation with um, Ralph Lauren grew because they moved to Madison Avenue to 650 Madison Avenue and we helped design the kitchen and it was big. And by this point they had floors of buyers and we had dumb waiters and company. And so you were only doing their catering. No. So I did their, just their buying weeks. So that was, and some other special events, but I wasn't like the caterer. You know I mean? We did all their buying weeks. And then also on the other times we would do weddings. We would do all this stuff, but I also had a great account with Sony music and that was I don't know what to say about that. Was crazy. We did parties for Celine Dion, Michael Jackson, White Snake, um, all these different. So what people. year was this? This was probably in the eighties. In the eighties, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. in the eighties, and I was, you know, I mean, I started all that when I was twenty-two or something, and it's one. It just seems like a series of luck. I don't even remember how I got Sony. But got so many. It just Sony, happened. And just you happened. Were like, I'm making this food. We'll do this. Right. For you. And, you know, so I would do that. And we had crazy things happen. Like with White Snake, they had so many smoke machines that you couldn't find the food. And we were like, food's over here. Come get the food. You know what I mean? Like it was so funny. So that really, the catering thing in a crazy way, I never loved. But again, I loved the entrepreneurial part of it. But at the same time, I always worked in restaurants. And at the same time, I was in school. Well, there was something about the hospitality and feeding people that yes, you liked. I love that. Right. That's what the whole thing is. Right. Because I always believe in that industry. There's no reason to like it. You have to love it. I say that all the time because there's so many other things to do. Yes, <laughs> you have to love it. You have to love it. Um, you probably know my friend Liz Newmark, who started very similarly. She was, 
you know, a, a photographer and she was going to these galleries and they were serving shitty food. And mm-hmm. she's like, I can do this better. Right. And here she is, you know, just like you in the food industry. Right. Still to this day. So it's, you know. And so where were you going to school at this time? Well, here's the crazy story. I went to many schools. <laughs> I went, I started going, I went to um, San Francisco State University. Not that the time I started, this is when I was. Right, younger. In California, much younger. When I was in California for child psychology Came and then at the same time was at the Academy of Art College for photography. Finally, at 19, moved back to New York and went to NYU Film School. Worked on a film for one week and decided there's just no way I was going to do this because I like fast action pack things. And right. you know, making a film is a very slow, methodical, like, oh, extremely. I just was like, oh my God, we spent all day doing a 10 minute scene. <laughs> like, I, this is not for me. <laughs> um, I also went and did photography at Parsons and I ended up going to Columbia for art history, worked in a gallery for a week and went, this is even worse. Like, this is like so slow. That's hilarious. But the food kept pulling you back. Right. It kept pulling you back. I think somehow it was a very antiquated thought that you don't go yeah, into the, the food the industry, industry right. right? That's what you do to get yourself through school. You know, my entire family is very educated, you know what I mean? And they, I just didn't, I don't know. It was it's, like you were fighting against it. I was. I was fighting against what I really wanted to do. It was right. like, I really want to be a hooker, but like, it's not acceptable. So <laughs> like, you just don't become a hooker, right. but I really enjoyed it. Exactly. So I was like, <laughs> so, was so like, here you are and you're going to school and now all of a sudden you've got a catering business yes. and you're catering to Ralph Lauren and Sony. Right. As well as other, as well as accounts. others and doing weddings and what have you not. And then how does that grow into the next stop? Well, at some point I went I'm not, I'm starting really not to enjoy the catering because it was just the, the, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And you know what I mean? And I had to actually stop doing weddings because it was never the bride. It was the mother of the bride who would like really call me in the middle of the night. Where are you getting your smoked salmon from? Like, really? I'm asleep. You know, like, can we talk about this tomorrow? So I had, and I, you know, those times in life where you're just like, I know there's something else. I don't know what it is. I felt this isn't working. This is it. And, you know, I was, 29, I think, 30. And the restaurant I was working in closed. And which restaurant were you working uh, in? The Rose Cafe. It was on, it's where Claudette is now on Fifth Avenue and yep. 9th Street. I know exactly where you were. A know. lot of people have gone through that spot. Yes, it was the most amazing. Like some of my closest friends to this day I met at the Rose Cafe. Like it's, it was an incredible experience. It was an amazing spot. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And I was managing there, but it closed. My boyfriend of 10 years, we broke up, you know, and it was one of those times where I was like, I just like, you know, when life just opened, like there's nothing. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do something I always wanted to do. And really a week later, I was on a plane to Africa and I went to Africa for a couple of months and traveled and cleared your head and came back. Saw elephants. Right. Saw elephants did, you know. Saw lions and tigers. Yeah. I had a great, I mean, and it really, I will say this, if ever anyone ever gets the chance, it's the one and only time in my entire life that I lived in the present day to day, because I had no future. So I had to live, in, you know, and the present was like, yeah. w- you know, what are we doing today? Mm-hmm. Wake up. What are we doing today? We had no plan. I went with a friend. We didn't, you know, since we went on such a spur of the moment, we had no hotels, no plan. We arrived in Nairobi with nothing, you know, and it's like, where are we going? And there's something amazing about doing that. But I came back and thought, all right, like I literally sat there, I think in my living room and went, I'm open to anything, you know, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was like, here I am at 30, I think at this point going, I really have no career. I have no boyfriend. I have no nothing. What the hell? You know, what am I going to do? 
So anyway, the phone rang and I had a friend who had this crazy underground spot that was owned by Suzanne Vega. Do you know who Suzanne Vega is? Of course. My name is Grace. (laughs) So she had a coffee bar in the basement of this building on Broom Street. And he said, do you want to open? She's leaving. Do you want to open a coffee bar? I said, yes. Because at that point, sure, whatever. (laughs) Like I was like, yes. And somewhere halfway through, he was like, let's make it a restaurant. And I was like, okay, let's make it a restaurant. And it became Vicks. And I hired a chef named Mark Meyer, who became my husband. <laughs> and But it was this funny underground restaurant that for some unknown reason... Resonated with people. Resonated. Like, it was celebrity-driven, like I've never seen. And the only thing I can think of is, it just was so... It was of the time. Unexpected, right. It was half under, it was mostly underground. It was, you know, at the, at, this was not me. This was my partner who we designed it all with used furniture and mismatched silverware. And that wasn't done. I mean, now it's a little more common, but, you know, the chairs didn't no, match. That and didn't the, happen then. You know what I mean? It was very funky. It was very funky. You know, and it just somehow hit a nerve. But truthfully, I didn't really know what I was doing. And it was, um, it was in Soho. It was in Soho. Right. Which also at that point was still a little frontier land in the evening. That part. Yeah. You know I mean? Yes. Because yes. it was like I mean, almost was the, the entrance to the high, I mean, it was yeah, to the, the tunnel. Yeah, the streets were a little right. empty. Yes. You know, and limos would pull up and it was, there's so many funny stories because you would see people, because it was underground, when they were walking, you would see their feet, then their knees, then their, you know what I mean? As it would come up and there was times where like all of a sudden like, we'd be like, my partner and I were sitting there and they'd be like, oh my God, look, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp. You know what I mean? Because you wouldn't see the person till they're, they were almost they were walking right. in the door. You know what yeah. I mean? And you were just sort of, and it was so fun and so great. And I loved, you know, Mark was so talented and there were so many great things about it, but I really didn't, I was learning on the job. It wasn't, you know, I had never really run a restaurant or, you know what I mean? So it was this crazy sort of thing that worked in spite of itself. Correct. But Which I think most really phenomenal restaurants that take off in the city in many ways work <laughs> besides, regardless I, of right. themselves. I mean, it's just timing. It captures a vibe. It captures the right audience. The chef is great. Um, there's some oh my gods on the menu. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's like a perfect storm. Right. So then a couple things happen. Um, my husband got hired away. He wasn't my husband at the time. <laughs> but um, Jonathan Waxman, who he knows is famous for this, offered him an incredible job for twice what I was paying and like benefits. And he left to go do this. And I was sort of like, all right, like I have to find somebody else. And you know what I mean? It was just so stressful at that point. And at the same time, it's kind of a long, complicated story, but someone who was much more experienced than I was offered to buy the restaurant and partner with my my partner at the time. And I really, you know, I was like, we were living in this la-la land of restaurant, like, this is so fun, you know, like it was whatever. And so I had heard from one of our nighttime porters that people were coming in in the middle of the night to look at the restaurant. And I said, What? So I confronted my partner who first denied it and then said, yes. He goes, I want to sell the restaurant. And I said, absolutely not, because this is the only career I had. And I was madly in love with this restaurant. And I was like, no, we can't sell the restaurant. You know, there's what am I going to do? You know what I mean? So I said, absolutely not. And a week later, you sold the restaurant. No, he called the New York Times and told them we were closing because I couldn't get out of he couldn't if he couldn't get me to agree, he couldn't do it without me. 
I mean, he couldn't close it so without me. So he played me. you. So he played me. And I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, this day I would probably sue him. But that, you know, then I just was like, you know, and I couldn't recover from that. So that, but I will always be grateful for that restaurant because I got my husband from it and I got some of my investors from it and it solidified in me that this is what I wanted. And do. it also taught you a tremendous amount. Yes. And so did they end up selling it or disclosing it? Well, this is the great part of the story is that those people ended up not buying it. So he ended up sitting in an empty space for two years, you know, so that's the end of that story. <laughs> well, we know all those stories continue to happen in the restaurant industry right. as other industries. Yes. Yeah, totally. So after you left Fix, where did you go? And Mark was working where then? He was working for ARC restaurants that own like America and Bryant yep. Park Cafe yep. and, yep. you know, yep. all these. He I was- mean, I was <laughs> America. Oh, my God. Yes, I was there through those years. Right? Right. Yeah. And he, you know, he worked with Jonathan Waxman and they were executive chefs and of this company. And so after about four months of really feeling sorry for me, and by this time, Mark and I were together and I was four months of feeling really sorry for myself and getting really fat and eating a lot and seeing movies and doing nothing. Cause I just was like, I and felt, you can do that in New York. You can. And I felt so shamed because this was my big opportunity and I somehow blew it. So I just was, I believed in my heart. There was no coming back from this. Like that's it for my rest of my life. I'm done sunk. You know, this is the end of it. And he said, you have to go to work. I said, I don't have to go to work. He said, you have to go to work. You know, and Mark and I lived in a tiny apartment that was mine before with no rent and, I mean, very little rent. So we could fix yeah. this whole thing. So anyway, he made me go to work. <laughs> get a job. Get a job. He's like, you have to get a job. And he was opening with Arc Restaurants a place called Columbus Bakery on the Upper West Side mm-hmm. with Mark. And it was this amazing place, I have to say. I mean, we had an incredible bread baker from La Brea Bakery and someone who did pastries and we did 1500 covers a day and but the quality and there was more stuff in this one little place there was savory food that Mark did and I said you got four months I'll give you four months I'll open this for you I'll you know I'll do this and I'm out and somehow being on the ice on the upper west side which I never ever went to was like I was in the witness protection program because I never ran into people I knew and I all my shame and horror was fine because nobody knew me up there. You know what I mean? So it was great. It was easy. And then there was the learning from it, which was everything I really needed. I got such an education and Michael Weinstein, who owns all of ARC, was such a great teacher for me and they gave me so much freedom to create in this place. So four years later, I ended up leaving, but I, they let me look at spaces. They knew the whole time that I wanted to open another spot. You know I mean? They were really great to me. And, and they saw something in you as well. I mean, yeah. they wouldn't have been great to you if you didn't do a great job. Well, I hope so. I gave my everything. Cause I was like, this cannot fail. Like I have to make, I was obsessed with not letting yeah, us fail. I had to make it. And so you stayed with ARC after four years? For four years in that one place. In that one place. And then I opened five points. I left there to open Five Points. And Five Points you opened by yourself with your husband. Yes. And And another partner. We had another partner at the time named Maureen. And that restaurant, I mean, 20 years? Yeah, 18. Yeah. That place for 18 years. But then you've morphed into something else. Yes. So after 18 years, I just was, I don't know, it's a funny thing. Maybe that's why leases are only supposed to last 20 years. Right. It's a funny, it might be. (laughs) It's a funny thing, like... You couldn't I, stand looking at the menu anymore? I couldn't stand looking at the restaurant. I mean, that's the truth. It was it needed a renovation. I was just, we had sort of grown past it or not that it's, 
We were well, better food than changes. A, food changes. Food changes. People's habits change. People's looks. I mean, it's interesting because right now in this moment of the food world, you know, and I spend a lot of time in it in all different angles and certainly eating a lot is that, you know, in the last, I'd say six months, I feel there's this whole wave of super expensive restaurants in the city that I go to and I'm like, they're not even that good. The vibe isn't that interesting. The people that are here aren't that interesting, you know, and where I'm finding the most interesting restaurants where I want to eat and enjoy and have the experience and the menus are kind of interesting is in Brooklyn. Yeah. And in New York City, it's like we went somewhere on Saturday night, which I won't name the name. And I walked out of oh, there. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm like, going to want to make you name the yeah, name. No, yeah. I'm and I'm like, I'm, at, I'm done. I would rather go to these fantastic places that are on Chinatown. That the food's delicious, the vibe's funky, but the problem with that is, you know, they want you to get in and out in 30 minutes, right. and it's not an enjoyable Saturday evening. Right. And so I think we're going through something. And then you've got the grill, which I've been three times, and I freaking love it because it is this insane experience. It's insane. Right. It's not about the food. Right. It's about this experience. I went for the first time and sat at the bar um, with a friend. Martini? I did have a martini. Of course I had a martini. I had a martini. And like just the experience of them making the martini it's is unbelievable. stunningly beautiful. But, you know, I felt that really taken care of thing. And like, I mean, the place was packed. And we were sort of sitting, after a while, we were kind of futzing with our coats. Because it was like, a, it was the first night for some reason that you even needed a coat. And like, I swear, the, I wish I could remember his name, but the whoever the manager is, saw us, came over like that, took our coats for us. And I thought, wow, this kind of thing just doesn't exist that much anymore that he, you know, that that vision. Yes. It's like the Great Gatsby. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so even though you were sick of your own restaurant, things changed. Right. And I just sort of thought, we have this great space in space one of my fabulous. favorite And a neighborhood that was funky and gritty and now still funky and gritty, but certainly but much more wonderful. crowded. Right. Yeah. And I live around the corner. And I love, you know, I'd had this place for so long through all this neighborhood, you know, and my landlord is amazing and a friend and he's also an investor. And, you know, and I just thought, how can I just walk away from all of this? You know what I mean? So I thought, hmm, what do we want to do? And I was a bit, should we just renovate? You know, should we close five points, renovate it, keep it at five, like five points? We're thinking all these things. And then life is just funny how it, I don't know, I'll try to tell this quickly, but I decided that I was going to walk more. And so I was at 100 Acres, and I thought, I'm going to walk to cook shop and not take, a, not take a cab. So I get out, I walk a few blocks, and I ran into Missy Robbins, who I've known for years. And hadn't She's seen, amazing. Yeah, amazing. And I had That space they have, Lilia, is, I just love, and again, great feel. When you walk in the there, minute you walk you're in. like, this place is awesome. Yeah, the minute you walk yeah. in. Yeah. And I was telling her, like, you know, I, was, I just was talking about life and stuff. And she goes, I really think there's someone you should meet. And I, at this point, we were three more years on the lease. So we weren't really planning anything quite at that point with five points. I was like, I don't have anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I could meet her, but I literally don't have anything for her. And I was like, so we, were t- we sat for two hours on a corner talking. I finally get to cook shop and I couldn't, one of those things where it just kept going in my head that she kept saying, you should meet this person, meet this person. So I called her back and I said, all right, I'll meet this person. You know what I mean? <laughs> but why don't I, you know, I'll meet this chef. Why not? And it was Hillary Sterling, who my husband met first and just 
loved and just thought she was amazing. And then I met her and we just were like this, we tasted her food. And I was like, oh, forget it. Like, she's just so amazing and the real deal. And we decided to close Five Points, even though we weren't quite ready to close it. Because she deserved her own restaurant and she's Italian chef. Totally. So we're not going to... You know, it yeah. made no sense. So at the same time we were working on Rosie's, it was not how I, I mean, it took us seven years. So we closed it and renovated the whole thing and opened Vicks with Hillary Sterling. Right, and it was a brand one of those new name. Things, brand new name, brand new, complete, I mean, gutted the place. Yeah, no, I've been in it. It's beautiful. And it's got a completely different vibe. Completely. Yeah. And Cookshop, where did Cookshop come in? Because, you know, you've had amazing success with Cookshop as well. I mean, the, the location is off the charts. Um, the ability to have people sit outside is a total bonus. Yeah. And, you know, you really, in timing wise, in regards to what happened in Chelsea, I mean, perfect. Listen, it was a perfect storm. It was a perfect storm. I tell everybody this, a perfect storm that we had no idea about. I, you know, we've been looking for like three years for a spot. We just couldn't find quite what we wanted. And then we found something in the West Village, a small corner spot that was way overpriced. But I think I had a little (laughs) West Village thing because of growing up there. I was like, I want to do something in the West Village. And after a year of negotiating, working on it, the last minute, he was like, someone else offered us 2,000 more in rent. And you know those moments where you're just like, it's almost like dating, you know, <laughs> like something happens. You're like, we're done. This was like, <laughs> yes. this is my we're done moment. You know, I just said, I've, I can't keep going back. We're done. And I walked away and I was just devastated because it'd been a year of working on this space and blah, 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 blah. But you knew. But I knew I had to. I was like, oh, this something's wrong. I have to walk away from this. And I don't want them to be my landlords. And you know what I mean? I just thought this is not how I want to do things. So Mark found Cookshop just in walking around, you know, riding his bike. And he kept saying to me, there's this space on 10th Avenue and 20th Street. And I was like, ah, because at the time it was no, it was nothing. There was no High Line. There was no, it was the middle of nowhere. You know, even west of 10th Avenue was not legal for residential. It was only zoned for commercial. So there was just nothing. And I just kept going, 10th Avenue and 20th Street, to me, that was, I don't know, you know, nothing. I was like, no, we can't open a restaurant there. That's terrible. Finally, he bugged me. I was like, all right, all right, I'll go see it. This is not this is not an exaggeration. I walked in the door. I got probably 20 steps. I called the broker. I said, we'll take it. I've never felt like that before. It like hit me like a ton of bricks. I just said, we will take this. And it was, Cookshop has been the most incredible experience, of a professional experience of my life. Like really, it fulfilled something very deep in me because we got to do it. You know, it was our first like total build out to how we wanted it. You know what I mean? It was really just such an incredible experience. And I felt like, I don't know, I did not know all these things were going to happen. All of that's luck. Like so many people have said to me, wow, you're so smart. You got in ahead and all this stuff. I was like, I had no idea. We don't do market research. I didn't know that anything was no, happening. It's your gut. You're a gut person. My, yeah, my gut. And my gut just said, take this space. Now, I, of course, like some nights before we opened and I would be on the street and there would be a car. Like, I was like, what do we do? And then it just, you know, it all started to happen. But it was, it really was to this day, just, it's been an amazing experience from the minute we opened till now. Like, I have just loved it. I've loved it all the way through. You know, we had, for the first five years, we had an incredible chef that I'm still friends with named Joel Huff. And it just was I don't know. It just was. It just worked. It just worked. So now you have those two restaurants. Yes. And? And we have Rosie's, which is our Mexican restaurant in the East Village. Rosie's I have not been to. I'm so in love with Rosie's. Really, it's like Rosie's is the whole other different direction of cook shop. Like it's it's like a a little bit zooey. You know, I mean, it's 
totally fun. People come there to just have a great meal. It's fun. It's not expensive. The waiters are just all, like so many of them are just so great and lovely. But sometimes I walk in and I'm like, oh my God, what are they wearing? Like, what are those shoes? And what piercing? And what thing? And what, you know what I mean? Like, we try to keep it together there. And yet, that's the part that almost makes it work. Right. You know what I mean? It's that, like... So are there any more new restaurants in your future? Well, we closed 100 Acres. And... You just opened the other one. We opened Shuka. Yes. Which is... Our Middle Eastern restaurant. Yes, we I was. I mean, there. I was there for lunch the week you opened. Oh, you were? Yeah. Good. I'm, I hate to ask this. Did you have a good time? You know, you guys were still toying with the menu. Right. Um, but so, you have Cedar Mill on yes, the menu. And, and I, those girls are lovely. I love them. I love them. I love them. I've been talking to them. I think they're amazing. They are just amazing. And we just had such a good partnership with all sorts of things yeah, I there. love the watermelon with the um, Cedar yeah. Mill on it. I but you have to come delicious. again because I think it's really found itself and it's doing... I'm knocking some wood here, but it's doing so well. And great. It's, I mean, it's a great location. Yeah. No, I'm going to come back. I mean, I literally was there the third day you were up no, no, for no, it was, we, It takes me a little longer than that to get things together. As it takes all restaurants. Right. Which I think is one of the things that has happened. And I mean, I'm, listen, I'm a blogger. I am completely, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can hold me accountable of going places and do, and I will acknowledge that it's very different when you're a restaurant critic versus a blogger, but there's so much information out there. It doesn't give these restaurants a lot of time to find their feet does not not at all and so you want to keep closed as long as you can with friends and family because the minute you open you know you are game you are game i mean and also add in yelp and add in everything else like you are just eyes on you from the minute you open those doors and it's really hard like especially doing shuka which is yeah we didn't we didn't have the luxury of closing for you know, months and having tons of friends and family. We just didn't have that luxury financially to do all that. You're paying a lot of money of rent. Right. So we had to open, you know what I mean? And, but I will say, because we've been doing this for so long, I hope we got our crap together quickly. You know what I mean? Like we spent every day, like that whole week, every day you're open, you just, you have meetings after each shift, what went right, what went wrong, what is good, what's not good, take this off the menu, add this. Like it's, it's very, there's not time. No, Like you just have to be brutal sometimes. Yeah. I, I promise I'm going to come back to Suka. You better come no, back. No, I'm totally coming back. Did well, you have kids through this whole thing? Yes. yes. There's two kids. <laughs> this is the crazy thing. We had two kids who absolutely hated restaurants. Like when we opened, <laughs> we opened um, Five Points. We lived upstairs, right? We thought this is the greatest thing. We're going to all have dinner together in a booth at Five Points at five o'clock at night. And won't this be bonding? And we'll be like the only parents that actually get to see their kids and all this. They didn't want to have anything to do with five they hated the restaurant they didn't want to like they didn't want to go to restaurants when we were off like hated it you know i always tell the story on our first night off from five points we went to bar pd and the kids used to love to run around out oh yeah (laughs) they love to run around and we sat down and we each ordered a bottle of uh, a glass of prosecco we're about to take a sip i'm not kidding we look over and the whole outdoor cafe stands up and there's our younger son with his teeth hanging down because he had fallen and hit on the corner of the bench um, in front of over there. Oh, God. And we ended up at St. Vincent's. He was fine and they were baby teeth. But like it was, you know, that's, I think that's how much they hated being in restaurants. But anyway, um, so we did have kids. And, and the, how old are they now? They are now 25 and 28. <laughs> and they both work for us, which is <laughs> like the craziest thing in the world. You know what I mean? I do feel like at well, some Well, you're seeing that again, even the Chinese restaurant kids write about it. Yeah. 
you know, I do think one, you know, our younger one did work at ABC Kitchen for a year, worked for Justin Smiley at El Buco Elementary, mm-hmm. but we're probably going to kick them out again. Like they need to get more They're, experience. And yeah. our older one runs Rosie's. That's awesome. So it's just a funny, after all of this, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought they'd be in the restaurant business. They're on the restaurant business. It's insane. That's amazing. It's crazy. So what are your hours now? I mean, that's a crazy business. It is. You know, since we've opened Shuka, I work a lot. You know yeah. what I mean? And more nights. And I actually feel like I've been a, like sort of a, not, I feel like I haven't been at the other restaurants as much as I should. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because one, that one is just taking over right now. Right. You know what I mean? And we're just working on it. And, you know, so it's that. But I do say, I will say that I don't work quite as many nights as I used to. You know what I mean? I try really hard probably now to work for. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's just, you know, and the only problem with it is I still get all the time. I went to Vix and you weren't there. And I was like, I can't be everywhere. You can't be there the whole time. So what do you think about the real, the restaurant business these days in terms of, you know, you're paying a chef um, or a waiter um, the same price as you're paying a dishwasher? Yeah. I don't think the old model works anymore. And that's the truth. I, you know, it's, I feel the old model meaning to- almost meaning VIX, meaning like this model of it does. I mean, VIX is working. I don't mean to say it like that. Right. It is, but it's tough to make, you know, I mean, when you need, when you need to have great chefs and great people working in your kitchen and, you know, incredible general managers and someone to do wine and someone to do all these things, it's a tough model to make work now. It's when expensive. It's expensive. And we're not that expensive. Right. You know I mean, so it's not like the we margins have are hard to make. $30 entrees, you know, so things keep getting more expensive and, you know, Your minimum wage goes up down. and, you know, all the margins keep going like this. And yet we can't really raise our prices because nobody's going to come in to one of my restaurants and pay $35 for chicken. What do you, and you guys are still doing tipping? We're still doing tipping. And you believe in that? You know, I don't know. Isn't that funny? I always have said till yesterday. Well, it's nice to hear how it works. Right. But will it work here is the question. Will it work here? It hasn't so far. I mean, you're seeing the good psalms leave the restaurants because they're not getting paid appropriately. Right. So conceptually it works, but it might take a while to work. I've keep, you know, what's funny, we've just met about this today. Before I came here, right before I came here, we had, we have a meeting with all the partners, right? And I was saying, I think we have to really start for the, you know, because right now, like in, January minimum wage goes up and then a year from January, it's insane. You know what I mean? And it's hard because I play both sides of the fence. Do I think minimum wage should go up? Absolutely. Do I hope everybody has insurance? 100%. As an owner and a business person, it's killing you. It's killing me. So it. it's a hard, I feel, you know, I have like, I grew up in the West Village. I'm a hippie dippy. Yeah, you know, like, you're, you're a left wing liberal. I'm a left wing liberal, liberal, right? Like, right, died in the, in the wool. Right. You care more about, the, you know, the Trump supporters than they care about themselves. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, maybe. No, but yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes. So it's, so it's, I'm stuck in this weird place. So what do you think is the next model? Because I agree with you. It isn't working. Right. And, you know, what is the next model? And I, the whole thing. Thing of I think going to the Chinese restaurants, well, you can't make a reservation, right? So I think the next model is somewhere in between. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I do. do too. I think it's somewhere in between. I actually know what I want to do exactly. I'm not willing to quite give it up yet until I have it all formed and we find a space. But I do know what I want to do, and I have ideas. And you know, I really do look, which is probably not the way to do it. But I look at what do I want. That's how I look at stuff. Well, it's always worked for you. Right. You know right. what I mean? You have good guttural instincts um, about where things are going. Right. And we don't, I have to say, we've almost rarely had, like, 
all of our things, we never, ever, ever sit in an office and go, let's do a Chinese concept or a, no. you know what I mean? We're one of the few people I never call my restaurant stores. Like someone goes to this store and that store. It's like, no, it's Vicks. It's whatever. You know what I mean? And it comes from something organic. Rosie's came because my husband is obsessed with Mexican food. He goes to Mexico three times a year. He has lived and like stayed with our cooks on like um, slept on the floor of their house and done goat you know, put uh, goat roasts and, you know what I mean? Like it really came from a passion. And we had a great Mexican chef that worked for us for 10 years at cook shop. And that's where Rosie's came from. It wasn't like, and everyone's like, don't rest, don't Mexican restaurants make so much money. And I'm like, Yes, but we do it the most complicated. We make all we grind our own corn and make our own tortillas. The whole thing. And, right, right, you know right, what I mean? Right. So yes, it's but it's labor it, intensive. It's labor intensive, but it they come from that. Right. You know what I mean? But this is also has to come now. How can we do more things and be really creative and be excited and do really incredible things? That have to work. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they have right. to work. They well, have to work. Well, um, I'm very excited to see what you do next. I mean, thank you so much for coming today because you, know, you have been in the trenches. You've had these incredibly successful restaurants, long-term restaurants, restaurants that have lasted decades, one that's morphed into something else. So you have a very loyal clientele, but you're appealing to an audience. And so you wouldn't still be standing here. So I'm really psyched to watch well, thank what you, you very do much. Because I do think, I completely agree with you, something is going to have to shift in this industry. It and, and there's there's going to be a new paradigm. I completely think it. Yeah. And I want to be part of it. But I think, <laughs> no, but I do. I think I do. for us just to dig our heels in and go, you know, and What's whine about point? it and complain people about it. People always need to eat. So many people in New York, particularly in New York, they keep their shoes in their oven. I mean, there is always people going out. Right. And so the question is, what is the new paradigm? What is it? Yeah. I you agree know. with you. We'll see, we will soon find out. You'll find out. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having oh, me. Oh, my pleasure. If you're in New York City, there is no shortage of Vicki Freeman restaurants to visit, and I recommend you do. Cook Shop is at 20th Street and 10th Avenue. Rosie's for Mexican is on 2nd Avenue and 2nd. Vix is on Great Jones, and Chuka is on McDougal. Thank you to all of you listeners for joining us this week. Stay up to date with Positively Gotham Gal. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. 